I'm Chief Christy Giuseppe from TwoGuysTalkingStarWars.com, and you're listening to the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. podcast, a complete, detailed, and always educational review of each and every Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. on ABC and Hulu streaming via the Two Guys Talking Podcast Network. S.H.I.E.L.D. It's an organization that both exists and doesn't exist all at the same time. For those in the know, S.H.I.E.L.D., the Strategic Homeland Intervention, Enforcement, and Logistics Division, is the counterterrorism and intelligence agency run by Director Nick Fury. Its global reach, with thousands of operatives with differing skill sets across the globe, continues to grow. S.H.I.E.L.D.'s activities have been documented for a long time, both in comic books and feature films. Those legendary tales now transfer to the smaller screen in a weekly series on ABC via Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., a chronicle of the findings of a crack team of S.H.I.E.L.D. agents. This is the detailed review of those chronicles. Set your life model decoy to take care of life's business for now. It's time for another episode of the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. podcast from Two Guys Talking. One could only imagine an incredibly important signal was coming from St. Louis, Missouri that dealt with Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. on ABC. While we would love to think that that emitted signal was this, the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. podcast, what we find inside this episode, Season 5, Episode 11, All the Comforts of Home, is something much different. Pop the cap off your Zima, nab a bite of Bar Burger, toss a couple of zesty darts towards the bullseye, and pay your tab! It's time for the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. podcast, a complete, detailed, and always educational review of each and every episode of Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. on ABC and Hulu Streaming. Greetings, everybody. I'm Mike Wilkerson, one of your hosts. And I'm Nicholas J. Hearn, your other host. Nick, some quick housekeeping. Podcasternews.com. Many of you that are listening to the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. podcast are also podcasters yourself. Uh, If you have any interest in microphones or things that happen inside of the podcast realm... I would tell you to go over to podcasternews.com where I am now a staff writer there writing with a bunch of other great people that write about news and stuff that's going on inside of the podcast realm. I've written probably seven or eight articles now since my my launch there and there's every subject you can imagine. What I love is that it's a, a grand open platform where I can take the goony ideas that you guys listen to inside of our podcasts and start writing about them. <laughs> Make sure you check it out over at podcasternews.com. We'll have a link inside the show notes for this episode. Again, that's podcasternews.com. Tell them Mike Wilkerson sent you. The fin in the hands of a junkie. Nick, I have to confess, I've sent one of the fin microphones to a junkie. It's not a junkie like heroin. Oh, because I was going to say, it's not just meth- going to sell it. No. Uh-uh. They're just going to yeah. sell it for more heroin. <laughs> right. It's not a meth addict. It's not a, it's not a, it's not a heroin addict. It is the booth junkie. That's right, the booth junkie, Nick. I love your... Not uh, the booth junkie. Not the booth junkie. I, uh, I connected with a guy called the booth junkie. Uh, his name is Mike Delgadio. The haha of a voiceover artist with the word audio inside of his name. Mike Delgadio. Isn't that uh, awesome? Yeah, I did, yes. He has a phenomenal program on YouTube that I recommend to everybody. Uh, not just the people that are interested in voiceover, not just the people that are interested in microphones, not just the people that have any interest at all in, in voiceover capture. I'm talking about everybody. And the reason is because while he'll give microphone reviews and ideas about how to make a really 
great series of ghetto voiceover booths? Yes, absolutely. No, right. no question. He has fun. There's a sense of play inside of his review set that is so missing nowadays. I can go and watch polished reviews of insert name of microphone anywhere on YouTube right now. Mm-hmm. And in it, nobody's having any fun. I, and I hate that. It's one of the reasons why I love our podcast. Because there's always some element of fun where you and I can kind of jerk the wheel to the left and it doesn't make any difference. I have no idea what you're talking about. I'm chained, <laughs> I'm chained to the desk here. I have to be here. That, that's right. That's I'm right. No fun at all. Yeah. I, uh, <laughs> anyway, after running through a series of his videos and then writing about him over at podcasternews.com, uh-huh. I sent him one of my Finn microphones so really? that he could review it. Yeah. He, he hadn't reviewed it yet. So I dropped him an email. And sent him a package, and just this afternoon, actually, he confirmed that he had received it. So, boom, there you go, Mr. Booth Junkie, Mike Delgadio. I cannot wait for your review about the fin, comparing it to something else or whatever else, because I know it's going to be awesome, it's going to be detailed, but more importantly, it's going to be fun. Look for it soon, and make sure you visit boothjunkie.com. That'll take you over to his complete library of everything on YouTube. And tell them Two Guys Talking sent you. Well, there's only one way to have better fun than the booth junkie, and that's to get to this review of this week's episode of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. on ABC. This time, it's Season 5, Episode 11, All the Comforts of Home. Sponsored by Acoustica's Mixed Craft Recording Software, Blogger's Bug, and the St. Charles Office Center. A visit back to the general. There she is again, the love of my life inside the shield, Danny. <laughs> and I was so afraid that we weren't going to revisit her, but I'm so happy here she is inside of the front end of the episode. I love her as an actress, and I know I haven't gone back to look at her jacket of acting, but I know that I would love to see her more just because she, she has a an instant magnetism inside of the screen, and it lends itself perfectly inside this episode, both on the front end and the back end. She's been all over the place recently. I remember, I recall seeing her in an episode of uh, Fear the Walking Dead. Really? What did she play? She was. Wait, let me guess. A law enforcement officer? No, no. She was a mother of, (laughs) I don't want to call them survivalists, but they kind of were survivalists. Okay. Who had children, but knew that they weren't going to be able to survive for long. So they're actually trying to hand their children off to the main characters of the show. Because they figured, okay, well, you're leaving. My husband doesn't want to leave this place. My kids aren't going to survive here. Please, a mother to a mother, uh, take my huh. children. That sounds endearing. Cool. Well, yeah, yeah. And then did she but get eaten something... by gobbled zombies or what? Well, I don't want to spoil it for anybody else. So you just have to you have to watch the, the Fear of the Walking Dead season two. The point that I, I'm trying to make here, because we're having so much fun. Point! Is that her as General Hale... I have never seen her play a bad guy before. Mm, I'll agree with she that. Has, she has agree had uh, moments where she's been a heavy in other roles, especially on The Shield. Mm-hmm. She's had to, quote unquote, grow a pair and have to stand up to some of the more imposing figures on yeah. that show. Yeah. But I have never actually seen her be the bad guy. Yeah. And after her, her first appearance in Agents, a uh, handful of episodes ago, uh, Rewind, mm-hmm. There's no getting around it. She's the bad guy of this this next half, mm-hmm. this next chunk of episodes. Mm-hmm. She's our bad guy. Yeah. And I cannot wait to see what else she has in store for our, our cast of Montley agents. Yeah. Well, well, what I also love about her is that it's not mustache twirling. 
No, at all. No, not at all. Like at all. And again, it's it's a it's a fresh lozenge that you get when you get her inside of the storytelling. I I, I just I'm really impressed with it. The team arriveth to the lighthouse. This was very interesting and a perfect piece of mechanics that doesn't usually work out inside of time travel episodes. And it usually drives Mike Wilkerson brain crazy Mm. because it does make sense. If you bamf out of insert name of place and you're going to reappear someplace else. Well, that kind of makes sense until asterisk. You realize that the earth spinning around the sun would never be in the same place depending on when they time jump. But we're not going to bother with that. We're not going to bother with any of that. <laughs> I I just love that they bother to reference it and quick. That's detailed storytelling to the point that I want to have inside of episodes of a storytelling on, on television. Right. Because it sounds like they're wrapping it in a, in a layer of bacon that helps it help you make sense of what's being told. As opposed to just, ding, something happened. Awesome. Yeah. And that's not what this show does. It, it, it absolutely gives you, a, again, that veneer of bacony wrapped realism in tandem with something that's not real. And I like that a lot. No, no. Actually, I think that's, uh, that's probably the best analogy I've ever heard. It's You have to take the disbelief pill when some of the science yeah. that yeah. they use on this show. Mm-hmm. But that's the same thing you have to do with the rest, rest of the Marvel Universe. Right. You have to take that disbelief pill. What makes a disbelief pill go down easier? Well, you wrap it in bacon. Mm-hmm. And one of the greatest... <laughs> Brzeut! Brzeut! <laughs> one of the great things about what they've done, especially dealing with the time travel stuff this season, is when they actually talk about it, they lay the ground rules. Yeah. Yeah. They talk a lot about what could happen, what should happen, what. but when we finally get to what is happening, they stay within those rules. And I appreciate that. There are a lot of shows, there's a lot of movies, there's a lot of books that kind of just play fast and loose with sci-fi science. And I appreciate a show, I appreciate writers who will stick with the rules, don't change the rules halfway through your story. And I appreciate that. The Tick, as Rick Stoner, delivers the bad news. How awesome was it to see The Tick delivering news inside of an Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. episode? Before there was Nick Fury... There was the tick. No. <laughs> Patrick awesome. Warburton. I, I see. I see his name pop up in the in the opening credits. And I'm like, what? Yeah, yeah. And I'm like, oh, yeah. okay. Well, I I could probably. You know what? He's not a bad actor. He he's more known for comedy. Yeah. But I'm sure he could be. He can definitely pull off serious. Yeah. No, 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 no. We, we don't it, have to worry about it. Right. That. You don't have to worry about it at all. He, he, <laughs> he is, is our digital. He's the virtual he's not even host. Digital. He's he, he is a virtual host, <laughs> but it's through slides, <laughs> traveling slides throughout the lighthouse. Yeah. From the seven from the late seventies. So again, like I said, before there was Nick Fury, there was General Stoner. Yeah. And what I love about this is that. Those of you that know the internet at all will remember a time when essentially what you had was you could go and hire actors that could say, hello, welcome to ABC Company. ABC Company is a company that does all kinds of awesome things. And we do blah, 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 and blah, blah, blah. Welcome to our website. You could go and and, and send Take a company. A tour with yeah, me. exactly. Right. And that virtual host tour thing. That's exactly what that is. <laughs> 
And it is ripped out of a page of history that these are the golden moments inside of a writing room that I would have loved to have been there where somebody goes, okay, so they, they come back to the lighthouse. How do we put it in time? That's going to be just a, a little bit of a, a little nudge. Mm. And the answer is how about a virtual host? Yeah. There you go. Yeah. Virtual. Wait a minute. What if it's a tick? <laughs> I love that. It's I absolutely a, love that. Whoever, whoever cast him or, or probably, probably suggested him because mm. you know i wonder what he's doing after his geico commercial let's check and see what if he's got an opening for a recording for 45 minutes and they went and they got him and it's it's phenomenal it, it fits in wonderfully inside it, this it's episode. a great way to toss in some exposition without it being forced mm-hmm. it's not forced exposition totally and we've talked totally about this over and over again the writers at least these last couple of seasons they have this uncanny knack of making exposition interesting right and exposition exposition's not supposed to be interesting no, there, there's even a couple of colloquial moments inside the this episode mm. when you're in front of the mega blue screens which almost was a talking tech moment but not quite mm. but inside of the inside of the giant mega screen blue mega screens inside this episode there were a couple of very colloquial look we're looking at a map and now we're going to go from point a to point b right. along this long stretch of cg stuff awesome look at the exposition by the way look at the exposition yeah but it went so fast. The pace was there. It blows by you, and it's not intrusive. Mm-hmm. That's the quality of a well-written show, and they continue to show it in spades. A new Chronicom and a new start. I love that we get there. I love that we have a new start for the team to go and do another piece of a brand new mission that accidentally interlocks into what they were doing previously, mm-hmm. but has all new details that they show and how to do and where to go inside of the mega blue screens that are inside of this episode. Right. But then you also meet Noah. Noah, yet another actor from a variety of other things that we've seen him in forever. Uh, I, I, I couldn't quite place him and I didn't go IMDB him, but we'll link to him inside the... He is absolutely all over the place actually he was a reoccurring character on a show that me and my wife used to watch bones Mm. joel david moore he has the that very dry i i can act shut off and non-emotional so that's great i mean so yeah he's he's got the ability to act like a robot my problem is is that he didn't seem alien enough yes i agree with like our our previous Chronomic, yes. what what what's Chronicom? Chronicom, thank Chronicom. you. Chronicom, Enoch. Yeah, he seemed not only robotic but alien. Yeah, I agree with that. It was like if you watch me long enough, you will see me peel off my skin. Mm, yeah, and then I will, you will see that I am an alien. You're absolutely right. It, it, he was this guy Noah was way more comfortable in his skin mm. and not showcasing anything alien really. Uh, it just—it was good to see another Chronicom because yes. I didn't want to not have one. Wink, wink, notch, notch. <laughs> St. Louis is the source. Engage the agents of Shield propaganda machine. Uh, how right. about this, them apples? This, this, that, that, was, that was pretty damn cool. <laughs> High five, man! I'm like, how cool? How cool St. is Louis, that? St. Louis, Missouri. Well, then I guess we're going to St. Louis, Missouri. For those that are curious of what we're talking about, if you've not been listening to us long enough, we actually record in St. Louis, Missouri area. So this was tremendous. The last time I remember something this cool was when we were watching that show on sci-fi. I've forgotten the name of it. But in it is a destroyed arch. 
And defiance. Defiance. Yes. And Defiance had a radio station that was emanating from the destroyed from the destroyed arch. That was the last time that I had the sweet joy of something like this. The only other thing that dashed my hopes was that, oh, look at the signal emanating from St. Louis. Son of a bitch. It's actually a call. It's not it's not emanating from anything. It's it's coming down. Yeah. So uh, but I will live in the glorious wonder. City. That's right. I will live in twice. the wonder. Yeah, they I, said it out loud twice. St. Louis, Missouri. And I was trying to. I went back and looked a couple of times. I could not place the imagery that they were using. So I'm assuming it's just a dry flyover of yeah. a city. It's not like, oh look, the Archer. Oh look, AB Brewery. Or it wasn't anything. It would have been nice to see the cloaked Zephyr flying past the Arch. Yeah. Just to give it another hit. Another that, layer. Okay, we are yeah. here in St. Louis, Missouri. I, I totally agree with that. <laughs> Coloring the popo as educated. This was excellent. I so thought that that black cop was going to pull up in the SUV, roll down the window, and be the grease on, now I'm going to give you a hard time cop. Mm-hmm. And instead, what we get is a seasoned, educated local police officer that understands that the guy that owns the van has been trying to sell it to everybody, and finally it's scored. So while it does kind of paint, you know, he didn't dig, he didn't ask for ID, he obviously isn't reading the most wanted scrolls anywhere. Right. But it paints him as educated as opposed to being either the incredibly mean asshole-ish cop, which we get inside of every single program on television, or the dummy. Right. Because you happen to have a shield on either a patch on your arm or you happen to have a badge on. So, oh, dummy. And I'm so happy that they did that in almost every instance inside this episode. There was never a time where I felt like they had Deputy Falfa <laughs> addressing anybody in there. Even, right. in, even in the spots where it was even almost a little bit incredulous when Daisy comes in. It was dealt with appropriately. And I always appreciate that, mostly because I am also the host of WhatCopsWatch.com. Right, yeah. WhatCopsWatch.com, for those that aren't familiar, is where I look at television and movies. I go and I grab police officers and specialists of all kinds. Mm-hmm. We bring them in and we talk about what they're, what we're seeing on screen. We tell you what's real. And we tell you what is absolute Hollywood BS fiction. Go check it out over at WhatCopsWatch.com. And again, my kudos to the writing staff for bothering to take an educated moment to paint law enforcement in a decent light. Deke is in the house. Wonderful. The last time that something this wonderful was done, Starman. Oh, wow. That, that wonder of where am I and what am I doing? The only thing that was missing was Deke doesn't get to morph from a baby into a dude, a naked dude in the course of a minute and a half on screen. Right. But that whole wonder piece... The interaction with the lady and the dog, the things that he says as he's visiting the bar, the the actual act of drinking and eating and all of that stuff, all of that was so wonderfully played, and none of it was over-the-top, dick-joke-level stuff. It was all very real. It wasn't done for comedy. Right. Even though, even though there were some moments that were funny, it wasn't done for comedy's sake. Yeah. The other thing that they didn't do is they didn't make the barkeep... An ass. I was so appreciative of that. True. They didn't make him an ass. The only thing is, is that I spent close to 15 years in the bar industry. And for somebody not to ask for some sort of either payment after the first drink or, hey, buddy, you want to open a tab? If you're opening a tab, 
you usually get the credit card and you hold on to the credit card until the pa- it's time to pay the tab. Right, as opposed so, to getting $100 in and right. where's so, your money? So the realism there, uh, I had to take a dis- disbelief pill because, well, it's a small town. This guy seems a little out of it. The bartender's being nice. It's the first customer of the day. Uh, again, it was a pause moment for me going like, that's not a really good bartender. You haven't even asked for any kind of payment. And he's had, he's probably wiped you out of every Zima you own <laughs> in that cooler. And I, I, I'm completely unfamiliar with Zima. Is it, is it, is it like seven up? What does it, it is taste a, like? It is a, it is a malt beverage, a malt alcoholic beverage. It's, it's an acquired taste. Okay. For Deke, who's never had real alcohol, yeah. I'm sure it was a it was it was a party in his mouth. Okay, but like, what does it taste like? I, I'm, it's, I don't know you because don't know. I actually you have a pair it. of testicles. Mike. Oh, well, then that's the first call to the audience. <laughs> <laughs> For those that oh, don't great. know, yeah. just send all the hate hate mail, all you Zima lovers, hate mail right to Nick Hearn here at Two Guys Talking. Uh, that'll Thanks work. That'll work. Otherwise, just tell us what Zima tastes like. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm totally curious, and I, I don't drink, so I'm not going to buy any of it. So uh, just you know, go to the website, uh, agentsofshield.tv, click on the contact button on the top right-hand side of the page, fill out the quick web form, and let me know, or send hate mail to Nick, either one. Let us know what Zima tastes like. Re-evoking Hive and a beacon. Oh, season three again. We're going back to season three again. Connective tissue is the name of this program that they continue to dig back and throw this stuff through for us and allow us to take the nostalgia of previous seasons that we absolutely loved, the characters that we loved, the happenstance, the activity, the now annals of history that we Mm. have inside of the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Mecca is all evoked Super short. It, it's nothing in depth at all. And all I got to do is say the word hive in a sentence and you instantly your ears perk up. Yep. Yep. The only way to beat that, in my opinion, is that there is a beacon. Wow. You know, it's like, okay, well, you know what we don't need? The Cree showing up. <laughs> right. So I love that. I absolutely love that. That was Hive's main goal towards the end of season three. That's what. I speculated was happening as Adelan was crumbling. Yeah, that uh, that weird pulsing sound was a, a beacon to the Cree to hey, we're here, come and get us. Uh, everything points. Everything that we've seen in the front half of this season with our heroes in the future points to the Cree showing up to Earth for some reason, whether it be because they were called. Or whether it be because, eh, we're in the neighborhood. Ooh, this looks like a nice place to yeah, stop. Yeah. I want this. Yeah. It's all playing in, and it, it and it's going all the way back to season three. Actually, it's going all the way back to season one, the Tahiti Project. Mm-hmm. This is, it's, it's all connected, and I love every minute of it. Showing a tender moment that's just that, tender. Everyone will know the Mike Wilkerson brain hatred for inserted lovey-dovey kissness that has to happen inside of at least one to three episodes of insert any television on planet Earth when you're watching a television program. And what they gave us inside this episode with Mac and Yo-Yo is a wonderful, tender moment that needs to be a beacon 
on its own for every other television program. Mm. There doesn't need to be a deep loving kiss. There doesn't need to be hands grabby, grabby, grabby ass. There doesn't need to be they have the glancing look at each other and one drags them into the room and the door closes. You don't have to have anything like that. What you can have is a very slow, tender moment that shows each of them being tender. Uh, Who else can see this light? I was thinking to myself, okay, you know, Nick and I are driving down the road. Nick and I are driving down the road, right? Nick and I, we're driving down the road. Because hey, we're in St. Louis, Missouri. That's right. Hey, man, look, there's a there's a light emanating from the arch. What is that, man? I don't know. I don't know. Let's go and see what it is, Mike. And what do we find? Oh, well, wait a minute. No one's doing that. So, like, nobody else is going to see where this light's coming from? Yet yeah, you're old enough that you'll remember when companies would go and acquire searchlights in a, in a town for specials oh, or sales. Oh, it still happens today, but yes. Oh, it does. Okay. And, you know, it's that super curiosity button that gets pushed. And so you're going to at least drive kind of by wherever you're going. And then if it looks interesting or, like, you see people gathering, well, guess what? You're going to go check it out. Right. And so who is it that can actually see this emitted beacon slash signal? Because, again, you and I are driving down the highway. Nick, what the hell is that? True. Well, I mean, but they've never shown anybody outside looking up and seeing the woo-woo-woo-woo-woo of a pulsing signal. It's always been on a computer screen. So is is it because – well, they even said that that's how they figured out it wasn't – it wasn't being beamed down. It was being beamed up because they slowed the frame rate. So maybe it's only something that you can detect through video yeah. or digitally. Yeah. When, uh, here's kind of the way I was thinking was, this is also another thing that can be taken care of with a, a sentence worth of dialogue. And I was surprised that they didn't, especially if you're going to go, oh, we're back at the lighthouse. Well, obviously, if you disappear at the lighthouse in time forward and come backwards, you're going to reappear inside of the lighthouse. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes, absolutely. Well, if you're going to bother to do that, you need to explain why the signal that is emitting this, what, 35-story wide beacon of light is not being investigated by, if nothing else, law enforcement. Mm-hmm. An unknown beacon of light coming out of any place inside of law, inside of the downtown St. Louis area, instantaneously. There would be calls of complaint. Yeah. No one knows what it is. It's got to be checked out. There would be cops on it instantly. Again, this might actually be the only real strike I have on the episode. I'm because, sick of this show. No, but, but, but think about it. When it actually does activate and our agents are there mm-hmm. on site mm-hmm. looking at it, you actually see the pulsing rings oh, yeah. going up. Mm-hmm. So if you could see it at the source going up like that, one would believe that it would continue to go through the roof and up into space. And if that is happening, then yes. People around the block and and elsewhere are going to see it. Yeah. So you're going to tell me that this is, and this has been going on for a while. That they, they've been using it as a lure. You know, we find that out later. It's it's used as it's a, it's a trap. Okay. So you're telling me that nobody else. I'm not, and you've even said local cops, but this is the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Yeah. Iron Man had nothing Tony Stark good. Hasn't picked something up on one well, of his mini not, computers. Not only that, everybody knows in the world of Marvel Cinematic Universe that anything that's light going up into the sky is bad. Red flag. Yes, red, exactly. <laughs> outright. A whole gross outright. of red flag. That's right. So, again, it, it's it's absolutely a pick. 
and it, it's dealt with so quickly and the machine turns on and off and on and off. But I'm telling you that it turns on and off and on and off and on and off. I think that would be even even larger red flag. Yeah. Somebody would go, wait a minute, what is this? we got to figure it out. Entertaining? Absolutely. Able to pick? Eh. A revisit with Piper. Love this. Again, more connective tissue. Always grabbing nice to a, see a familiar face. Grabbing a previous character's face and story and... Everything is kosher, asterisk. The other shoe drops. The beacon wasn't a call to the Cree. It was a lure. So here we are. Piper is absolutely dyed in the wool, traitorous, asterisk. And in walks the mechanized army of what the hell. The thing is, though, is that is that though I want to I want to back up just like like two minutes before that, mm-hmm. the writers did a really good job of stretching out the tension of wondering is Piper yeah. dirty because at the it's same absolutely time absolutely cloaked well yes I totally at agree at the with same that. time they're dealing with Daisy trying to get Deke out of jail and and posing as a social worker mm-hmm. and even though it is a small town and. There's only two cops. You see that the African-American cop from earlier is giving her a look and gets on the phone. And then the next scene that we see is General Hale giving the word, oh, well, we've got him. Okay, so now you're wondering, oh, who's informing on who? And then we've got a nice five-minute chunk of who, 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 uh, uh, no, please. And I really hated the fact that it was Piper. Because they're like, oh, come on, Piper. No, you were a shield. It was it was slightly disappointing, but I liked how it worked out yeah. in the episode. Yeah. I also like the pace of the, again, the showcase of the cloaked, oh, my God, she's dirty. Mm-hmm. But then also the spin that she does not just instantly give up when the wall starts to fall down. I, I really enjoyed that, mm. that th- there was something more than just, oh, my God, they're trying to kill the other team members. And then she just decides to back up Phil and company because she needs to. I like that there was some thought there. It was, again, it was more more her having some retrospect of what she needs to do now, right? Rather than just okay, flip the switch. I like that a lot. Well, right. You you see the conflict on her face, and it's not it's not that that soap opery. Oh, ooh, oh, what do I do? It's not it's, saccharine. It, right. Right. It's not saccharine. Uh-huh. Uh huh. It, it's an actual. Okay, I realize I was played. That's not what I was. That's not what I was told. They're willing to give me another chance to do the right thing. Yep. Okay, I'm shield. Let's go. Yep. I'll help you get out of here. I'm. I'm sorry. I made the mistake. Cool, disarming, but how about delivering the weapons appropriately? I love that Yo-Yo goes and whoosh, grabs all the weapons out of everybody everybody's hands and then dumps them appropriately in the corner of the room. How about zapping over and accidentally arming all of your team members so that the odds are incredibly cantilevered? Yeah. <laughs> the You know what the funny thing is, is that I had glossed over that because this scene goes by so quickly mm-hmm. and ends so abruptly yeah. that until you and I started going over the skeleton for this this review... I had totally forgotten about that point. But yeah, there's there's no getting around that. That yeah. that is yet another kind of pick. And this is a big pick. It's a big pick. It it instantly takes them from, "Oh my god, we are in so much peril. Yeah. You got to be kidding me." to, 
wait a minute, we're still in so much peril, you got to be kidding me. Right, yeah. yeah. It's it like, doesn't what, even what, the table what at all. What are you doing? <laughs> I don't know. And, like, she doesn't take them anywhere else. So, like, all the bad guys got to do is go walk over and pick them off, off the oh, ground. Oh, there's my gun over there. I'm gonna, <sighs> I, I'll be right back. I'm just going to go right over there. Yeah, I did not care for that at all. It was a little bit the a little bit of the uh, the sharp edge was polished off a little bit when we find out that they're not just humans. They're automatons of some kind, robots, yes. blah, which was excellent. That that I was not expecting. I wasn't expecting and, that and, either. And like squealed like a little girl when it was like, ooh, they're robots. Yeah. Uh, what they also showed, too, that made me want to go back and have the weapons delivered was you shoot them once in the face slash head, nothing happens. Okay, but if you shoot them more than one time appropriately in appropriate areas, they shudder and look like they've been tased and mm, fall to the ground. Yeah. So what that means is that the weapons delivered to the shield team, they would have they would have mowed them down and they'd be gone. Everything would have been okay. Right. Or at least Yo-Yo, much better tilt. Had Yo-Yo delivered the goods. Holy tourniquets. So is this Yo-Yo paying for the fact that she didn't deliver uh, I, the weapons? You know, I, maybe. Uh, I don't know. Wow. Uh, again, yeah. A giant wow. wow here. Kudos to the writing staff. Kudos to the effects staff, but more importantly, kudos to the people that make this show for doing that. This could have been something that they just completely forget about that was kind of a woo shocker inside of a previous episode and we never revisit it again. Mm. But instead, we shall create more connective tissue for a program that matters and needs more connective tissue. Bonus. Giant bonus here. Here's an added bonus, and it's only for us few us lucky few who watch this show weekly for anybody who's listening to this podcast after binge watching a chunk of 10 or 15 episodes mm. this you will have no effect agents of shield went for a one month long hiatus for the winter olympics mm-hmm. so the last time we saw future sad limbless yo-yo was episode 10 mm-hmm. the previous episode but that was four weeks ago for yeah. us. Mm-hmm. So then all of a sudden they take Yogo's arms in this episode and we flash back to what happened and to what we remember seeing to what happens to Yo-Yo in the future. Yeah. And to add on to that is Helena's dialogue after she realizes that she's been disarmed, it's all coming true. And then they wrap her up in a blanket and get her out of there. So, uh, like I said, I'll... Uh, added bonus for us because when when the the weird leather cladded chick threw her frisbee of doom i was actually expecting yo-yo to get cut in half or her head get cut off or something like that yeah me too i was like oh she she's just dead yeah and a a tiny little nitpick and i'll throw it in here because it's appropriate Mm -hmm. i need to know how in what stance is she running that both arms get cut off like that because I think it was like she was running to push uh, somebody out of the way. So she had mm. both arms okay. outstretched. All right. All right, well, I could be wrong. All right. I'll, but, I'll, go, uh, I'll go back and look at it, and it'll just be right. something between you and I. Because no one else will know about it. But but and, when it's just her arms <laughs> who fall off, I'm like, holy crap, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, I just, just it, brilliant round of applause to the writers. Yeah, totally impactful writing is, it's such a hallmark that doesn't happen inside of other programs often enough. Mm. just isn't. The waterfall landing pad. It's a super quick glimpse. You don't hardly get anything out of it. 
Except that you get the wonder of, wow, look at the waterfall landing pad in the middle of the ocean. Could the lighthouse awesome. get any cooler? Just awesome. I'm I'm so stoked that this is our, our team's new uh, base of operations. Yeah. And it's, it is a shield base. Mm-hmm. So that goes back to er- earlier episodes when I prophesized that the lighthouse did have something to do with shield. Yeah. I'm glad I'm glad to see that that it is the case. Super Circle Sword Girl leaves. Uh, all right, so choppy choppy arms off and I think we'll leave. Now, towards the end of the episode we get that oh well Daisy's not here. I don't really care. I'm okay with that because that feels very much like a 16, 17-year-old girl. Where the hell's Daisy? Ah, screw this. You told me I could have Daisy. Yeah. Yeah, and and that was the thing. When we were first introduced to this character, Ruby, at the very beginning of the episode, when she's talking to her mother, General Hale, I am immediately like, I can't stand this character. Right, right. What the hell are we doing? Why why do we have to have yet another moody teenage character on a show? I'm I'm actually getting a little... It's getting old. I mean, I, I get that that's how... Most people view teenagers today, mm-hmm. but they're not all like that. Right. They're not all assholes. Right. But for television, yeah, we got it. For storytelling wise, yeah, we got to make them all assholes. Oh, she's a little psychopath. <laughs> right. This one needs to oh, be that. Oh, okay. Well, then I'm fine with that. Yeah, she yeah. can be an asshole. Yeah. No, th- th- this was tremendous. Yeah. Um, nice twist. A, a, a very one, nice A twist. wonderful twist. Wonderful writing. <laughs> Creating a sandwich with the characters provided. We just got done talking about Ruby and the generation scene in the front end that gives us, oh, yay, another wayward, oh, shut up, mom character that is a teenager inside of yet another television series. Yeah. But then at the end of the episode, you are given the perfect sandwich inside this episode with her coming back and having kind of the same conversation, except, of course, she's inside a vault, a protected armed vault. And that you gotta, you gotta just wonder, looks like her room. Who who is that vault door protecting whom from? from yes, that's the big question. Absolutely, absolutely. And I, I I love all of that. I'm totally unfamiliar with anybody named Ruby inside of the inside of the Marvel lore. But my guess is that we'll probably be able to dig something out that will give us something either to who she is or maybe a couple of other characters where this is an amalgam, right. something like that. I will do uh, I will do my level best to do some research so that if she does exist in the comic book universe, we can uh, talk about it yeah. on the next episode and yeah. we can uh, put some links now, yeah, in now, the show notes. Yeah, now imagine how awesome this episode would have been had you done that. Pardon the hell out of me. Jeez. I'm not, I don't have my inhuman ability of <laughs> hindsight. Detecting a hot end to Noah. Again, another piece of awesome writing. The beginning of the episode, we meet another Chronicom. I would have never anticipated ever that we would see what is apparently, just a guess, you know, we, again, if he's a different type of alien or can just be able to not be killed by standing on on an explosion and not be killed who knows it doesn't make any difference but the 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 gist here is that he is exploded at the end of this episode semi protecting the other people but obviously warning the people right and the only thing that i would have loved and i'm talking like all the things that we talk about the writers and what they're able to do and pull off here is what would have been the mecca score 
of writing. All right, so everything happens exactly the same, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. You, you know that Noah is detecting something. He's looking at a, I think he was looking at a pad or something. Oh, he's wait, looking yeah. at the tablet, whatever. Looking at the tablet. Uh, uh, the, wait, the, it's getting hotter. It's getting Blah. hotter. Okay, hmm. so now what would have been cool is that instead of just looking at the tab, imagine if there was a sound that was being emitted, but it's not audible to human ears. Ah. And if he just said, yeah, there's nothing really remarkable about this device except for that sound. And so the people in the room, they kind of look at each other and they look at him and go, what noise? Yeah, Yeah. we we don't hear anything. That that sound, it's kind of an escalating sound. Run! That would have been epic. There is your level ten. That's that's more. Oh my god! Yes, yes. No, I totally agree. That that would have been more of an epic ending to the episode. Yeah. And what I love about that is that whoever made the bomb slash whatever technology this is, they would have never known that an alien would be standing next to anybody that was near in proximity to the bomb. Mm -hmm. They would have never been able to guess that. And so that's why it would have worked. And I, I love that. Being able to deliver that reason piece backwards when things happen like that, that's major stroke, and I love things like that. What a wonderful episode capture that we've got here during the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. podcast. A complete, detailed, and always educational review of each and every episode of Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., this time Season 5, Episode 11, All the Comforts of Home. We will be right back. doesn't always come fast, but it's always free. Join Officer Tommy Model and learn more about vital building blocks when it comes to security and law enforcement during the Free Field Training Podcast. FreeFieldTrainingPodcast.com. That's FreeFieldTrainingPodcast.com. Wouldn't it be cool if your advertising could last forever? It can, with perpetual advertising. Here's how it works. Magazine, radio, and television ads are efforts that people might see or hear once, and then they're lost forever. Perpetual advertising provides you with the chance for repeat exposure and replayability weeks, months, even years after it's originally inserted inside a podcast. So even after your advertising is included in a podcast years ago, those efforts are still impactful, providing you with true return on investment. Real impact, thanks to perpetual advertising. Are you ready to change the way you and your company or organization advertises? Find out more and launch a unique perpetual advertising effort right now by visiting twoguystalking.com forward slash sponsors. What is the genesis of horror? Do you know all the literature that spawned the genre, creating the classic films we all know and love today? Think you know your horror history? Test your knowledge and take a crash course in horror at twoguystalkinghorror.com. That's twoguystalkinghorror.com. The Two Guys Talking Podcast Bug, a truly original autonomous mobile recording solution. Get bit by the podcast bug. www.podcastbug.com. The history of hostage and crisis negotiation is filled with action, 
danger, emotion, and perspective. Be sure to learn more about the history of hostage and crisis negotiation inside Crisis Cops, the evolution of hostage negotiations in America. Order it now at twoguystalking.com slash crisiscops. That's twoguystalking.com slash crisiscops. Everyone, welcome back to the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. podcast, a complete, detailed, and always educational review of each and every episode of Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. on ABC and Hulu streaming. This time, it's Season 5, Episode 11, All the Comforts of Home. Every time we come back from break, it's time to open up the S.H.I.E.L.D. dossiers. The S.H.I.E.L.D. dossiers are where Nick and I jump in and probe through the actor portrayals, the story writing, or something else that trips our collective night fantastic and tell you all about it. Nick, what do you got inside this episode? I, I want to shove this entire episode in my, my <laughs> dossier. This episode was great. It yeah. had so many. It had so much stuff we couldn't talk about everything. Because no. if we talked I, about everything that we thought was awesome... It would be a three-hour review. It would be a three-hour review. Yes, and I nobody, agree. nobody needs that. I, I, I had to prune my note-taking for this episode. I, I, will, I will absolutely that. admit that. I appreciate that. So, I will bring up something from the episode that we did not talk about in the review at all. Mm. But I thought was absolutely cool... To the point where I actually said something out loud, kind of just talking to myself. But my wife was in the room at the same time, so she assumed I was talking to her. My dossier is filled with multiple monoliths. Mm. Mm. Something we talked about at the beginning of this season when a new monolith was introduced. The time-traveling monolith. I know I brought it up and we've talked about it off and on. Are there other monoliths? We've already seen two. Could there be more? Well, guess what, everybody? We got some monoliths mm -hmm. locked away in protective cases. One of them being the timey-wimey, wibbly-wobbly one. One of them was a pure black one, so I, I want to say that that was, that was the one that was used to travel to Mavith. Because that's what was used to travel to Mavith, was that black, pure black, obsidian-looking monolith and now we got one that's got runes drawn all over it what does that one do yeah that's what i want to know yeah i love I, stuff like that and r really what you get here I, the the only thing that was missing about this scene was there needed to be a scene just like at the end of raiders where you've got the case that contains the ark being cata cat catacombed into this giant lush warehouse yeah. With a whole bunch of other stuff, which would absolutely glide towards, oh, this is the warehouse for 187s. Want to start talking about connective tissue? Boy, let's start talking about 187 well, warehouse. It seems if you, if you actually look at the show as a whole and add in Agent Carter, it seems like they've been warehousing 187s all over the place. Yeah, I, so I the that. lighthouse is just yet another receptacle for 187s, yeah. among other things. Yes. Yes. So, again, for anybody that would think that this show needs to end anytime soon... Out of your tree. The door's just been busted wide open, yeah. folks. Yeah. The other, time, the other time that something like this was mentioned, I know we mentioned it in the show, is when Bill Paxton's character mm. go back to and begin storming another secure facility to go and grab secret stuff. Right. We mentioned something along the same lines of, like, you know, is this a, a, the only one place that they store stuff like this, or are there others? 
And the answer is absolutely oh, that yeah. there are others. There's a shit ton. The, what I really also feel is that if you're going to somehow ebb and or, I hate to say it, and agents, mm. there's your next dive. And it's the catalog of 187s drifting squarely into a wonderful television show that has nothing to do with Jason Voorhees, but is called the same thing, Friday the 13th. Friday the 13th was a small three-person team, a reasonably elderly man, a young man, and a young woman that were looking for items. Cursed. Cursed items. Yeah, yeah. items that had been cursed by the devil, but then sold out of secondhand shops and wherever else they got to or were given away from. And it was an all-too-short show that really never got it. It's just due. I absolutely agree with you. That's why I own the entire series. It is a great show. Yeah. They finally put it out on DVD. Oh, did they? Uh, oh, wow. It's it's three seasons. Absolutely. Well, I'll tell you a what. A show that, that I think would have probably lasted longer had it not been called Friday the 13th. That might be a fun show to visit inside of your Two Guys Talking Horror.com effort. Okay. And I would absolutely co-host I would, that I would you. love to do that. Let, let's plan on doing that. Okay. Hey, there we go. Magic is being made right yeah, here, folks. Th- there's a whole bunch of great horror content inside of that show that can also be spun off as its own feed blog. That's awesome. So anyway, again, I love all these ideas that are generating and again, to even consider that the show might be canceled. You have got to be kidding me. I just, I I, I can't see that. But that's a great dossier entry. My dossier entry inside this episode has got to be focusing on the glancing blows of a killer move for Phil Coulson. It doesn't happen often. They are not particularly pointed, but they are here. And we do not know what's going to happen with Phil Coulson as this series continues. We know that we don't want to lose Phil Coulson. No, we don't. He is absolute glue inside of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. There's no question. Especially since we're moving towards the 100th episode. Right. But what is happening is they are painting very distinct cues. The whole agreement slash conversation with Ghost Rider. Mm -hmm. The quick nudge to the chest that then quickly needs to be covered up so that it's not showing his pseudo Tony Stark looking things that are going on inside. Iron Man too. Yeah. Yeah. It's very reminiscent of that slow infection spreading. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Just the fact that he has been so subdued over the last, I'll call it eight episodes. He has not been Phil Coulson as Phil Coulson is Mm -hmm. there have been moments where he pulls it out and has the strength to be phil colson but they have subdued his character and i think intentionally to showcase that he is sick and that something is going on and i love the question mark that they're putting here hence why it's my dossier moment of what is going to happen to phil colson i want that i want things that make us ask questions and be concerned as storytelling goes on and then eventually we'll get some of that filled in that's brilliant that's where we ask you guys what's inside your dossier for this episode. Let us know what you think by going to our Facebook presence. That's facebook.com forward slash shield podcast. Click on any one of the threads that's there or start your own. And let's talk more about Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. On the rating for this episode of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. on ABC and Hulu streaming. This time, season five, episode 11, all the comforts of home. The scale works thusly. A 10 is on top of the heap. A 1 is way down on the bottom. Everything starts at a 7 as an average. The numbers go up with positives. The numbers go down with negatives. And Nick, there are no halvesies. Nick, what do you got? 
for a show that, again, we've mentioned it before, for a show that could possibly be ending at the end of this season, mm-hmm. I don't understand why, the writing continues to be stellar. The acting portrayals, these characters just get richer and richer. Yeah, good word. The connective tissue gets, <laughs> it stretches and contracts in a, in a nice pulsing way that yeah. this show is alive yeah tapestryified yeah you know like there you go look there's an image on this stretchy fabric and it does the stretch that you're talking about wait a minute where, where did this come from right i love that that's very well said this this show it it changes things just enough to where we're not dealing with the same old same old for 22 episodes we get a little bit of this, and then that's resolved. We're still deal- dealing with stuff, but we're on to something new. And we're still dealing with stuff, but oh, now now we're on to something new again. I think that's that's the technique to keep this show going. Is and, and it, it makes it the live-action comic book that I enjoy watching week to week when, yeah. when it's on every week. Yeah. Even with the blatant pick of Yo-Yo... Disarming the robots, but not arming her fellow agents. That's a that's a big strike against this show. But where the scale is concerned, when you're already up at a twenty four, right? When you knock it down to twenty three, that's still a twenty three, right? So of course, I'm giving this episode a ten. Mm-hmm. Welcome back from the future, and you're going to keep on getting a ten if you keep on doing things like this. Yeah, yeah. This is a stellar episode, another entry inside of storytelling that I love. I love this show as much as I love probably just about any comic book I've ever read. Mm. The difference is that I don't think it took me 43 minutes to run through every comic book I read. (laughs) And, you know, the visuals that are provided, the storytelling that continues to not only give you something satisfying but amp up. The, the willingness to enrich characters, the willingness to grab a character, another, in this case, another Chronicom. And then again, a total asterisk because we haven't really seen the body, right? but to kill a character that we've just met, those are all giant points on my scale as giant positives, like mm. two, three point bump ups. And so where you said 24, I'm at like a 37 for this episode. <laughs> it's just crazy. Uh, the tiny little, Though coherent nitpicks inside this episode, they don't they don't touch anything inside this episode, and so I too give this episode a ten. That's where we ask you guys, what did you rate this episode? Episode eleven of season five of Agents of Shield on ABC and Hulu streaming, all the comforts of home. Let us know what you think by going to our website. That's agentsofshield.tv. Remember, you can click on the contact button, fill out the quick web form, and tell us what you think. Or you can even hit the little green tab and leave us a voicemail. Oh, that's right. We'd actually love to hear your voice Yeah, telling yeah. us what you think. That's very well said. That's very well said. So until next time, I'm Mike Wilkerson, one of your hosts. And I'm Nicholas J. Hearn, your other host. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time. Keep the beam alive in St. Louis, Missouri. We're thankful you were able to review this covert communication, reviewing the most recent episode of Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., a chronicle of the stories and soon-to-be legends on ABC. Be sure to tune in to our ongoing top-secret communication with agents all over the globe via our Facebook presence immediately, facebook.com forward slash shield podcast, to be the first to be made aware
Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. news, the arrival of our newest reviews, and more. The Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. podcast, a super show for fans of superheroes. Uncover the mysteries, critical information, and reviews now by accessing agentsofshield.tv. That's agentsofshield.tv. End this top-secret two-guys-talking communication. This time, it's Season 5, Episode 11, All the Comforts of Home. Including the two-ply tissue. <laughs> what the fuck is that? Well, there's there's the toilet tissue that's the one-ply, and then there's the stuff that I really like, the comfy kind, the two-ply. What am I missing? I'm totally missing something. Toilet tissue, all the comforts of home. Oh, all the comforts of home. My, you're spry, Nick. In the future, they didn't have... They didn't have Burger. Why aren't you investigating Ruby at this point? Why am I? Because we still have a review to do. <laughs> okay.